This is out of bounds. This is out of bounds. <laughs> there you go. That's an all timer right there. I lost you. <laughs> I can't hear you. That's that is a hell of a way to start the show. Mia got so excited she knocked the microphone out of place. Now we got you. We're gonna test my settings too and make sure I didn't completely. Yep, there we go. And, and now we're better. Now here we there are. Already go, John. Wow, that is a hell of a start there, Mia. I was just so excited because I was thinking about what I'm gonna say for the opening toast, and I, I just got so excited. You got so excited. This is Out of Bounds, your home for the weird, wacky, wild in the sports world on the Know Your News Network. That's me, O'Brien. I'm John Alba. I'm plugged in all the time. At least I can say that for myself. I actually unplugged this weekend, John. It was very nice. I can't recommend it enough. I I unplugged a bit this weekend, too. I I celebrated life a little bit this weekend, Mia. Yes, because you had a pretty big birthday last week, did we not? Happy belated, buddy boy. Thank Thank you. Did you see the cake? Uh, no, I have not seen That's the cake. That's what I was tagged it? you in on Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did see that cake, yes. There, there was a cake that someone got that not just had my face on it, but it had the Out of Bounds logo on it. That cake I did very much see. I thought you were referring no. to one of the various recruiting cakes that have become a punchline in the high school, college football world. No, this was this was a celebration of John Alba's life, which I don't know why anyone would do that, but they were doing it here. Hey, uh, we're was, keeping it going, too. We are keeping it going. We got a fun week planned. I'm going to be seeing Bruce Springsteen a couple times once with me. It's going to be a great time down and then there. Next week's Out of Bounds, folks, is going to be live from my house with both of us here. What a vibe. What a vibe we have ahead of everything. us. First really time for everything. We appreciate all you joining us here on Out of Bounds. And as we encourage you every single week, we want to hear from you. You can head to KYNchat.com and leave a super chat there. Or if you want to just pop in the YouTube chat, leave us a super chat there. If you want it to get read on air, it's got to be a super chat. Uh, But we would love to hear from you throughout the course of this show. The past few weeks, we've had a lot of great engagement from our audience. And it always makes this show even more fun. Now, Mia, you said you had an opening toast in mind here. So what's on your mind? Yes. Well, let us begin with, uh, as I'm making sure I'm retweeting our link to tonight's show to make sure everybody is locked in. Um, We begin with what I am drinking. Um, Any guesses? I can, you know, it's it's covered by my koozie. Any guesses what I'm drinking on this lovely January 30th? That looks like a Jacko Shandy. Sam Adams. Okay, so yeah, pumpkin beer of Sam Adams sorts. Okay. So the reason I'm going with the pumpkin beer is not only because I need to clear it out of my fridge, but because my favorite ice cream shop here in Jacksonville, you may be familiar with Wits Frozen Custard, John, went to pick up some Wits to bring to a buddy's party last night. So went to the quartz section, and I was expecting, you know, the vanilla, the birthday cake, you know, Buckeye, all their basic flavors but they still had some pumpkin roll left over, which is my favorite flavor. And I thought, is it weird to be bringing pumpkin roll to an NFL playoffs party? And I brought it, and I think we finished the entire court last night. I mean, granted, there was like 10, 11, 12 people there. But I think we finished the entire thing, and it was an absolute hit. And so despite it being 83 degrees here in Florida in the middle of January, uh, a cheers to the pumpkin beer. But moreover, a cheers to your return this beautiful, uh, even though sometimes unfortunate state uh, in the next week so that we can begin our pilgrimage of seeing Bruce Springsteen together for the first time. We got some JMO. I'll drink to that. Cheers to that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm. Sometimes I just like the good old JMO. And the pumpkin still hits even in the month of January. How about that? Well, we've got a very, very interesting episode here. Coming up on Out of Bounds, and we waste no time as we get to it. Oh, boy, this got a little ugly here on social media. The AFC Championship game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs pick up a 23-20 win. Patrick Mahomes, we are witnesses to his greatness. Once again, returning to the promised land. Didn't look like his ankles hurt all that much. He looked great in this one. But Cincy fans were irate. After the Chiefs seemingly were on the receiving ends of several questionable calls in this game, Mia, including one where the referees apparently gave a mulligan third down opportunity to Kansas City. Did you know there's a fifth right. down in football, John? I didn't until last night. Well, they were trying to stop the play from happening before the ball was snapped. They weren't able to, and then they just said, screw it, it doesn't count, you get a mulligan, and then the 
Chiefs converted on that. Now, ultimately, it did not matter because the drive went uh, towards a punt conclusion. But uh, still, there was a lot of questionable officiating this once. There was an uh, intentional grounding call that was controversial. There was uh, a game Joe ending. Burrow got late smacked hit. in the end zone and no one Joe, called roughing the passer. That did happen as well. So, Mia, whenever we get games like this, it always comes up from the fan bases. Is the NFL rigged? Did they want Patrick Mahomes, whose dad played Major League Baseball? And was at the game? And Did was smoking, want... smoking to Joe Burrow after the game? Did they want Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl and rig it as such, Mia? Of course they did. Absolutely they did. Because you want to know who the spokesperson for State Farm is, John Alba? Patrick Mahomes. Do you want to know where the Super Bowl is in a week and a half? State Farm Stadium. Conspiracy music. Cue it. Um, no, I mean, listen, I will give Zach Taylor this. I would also be irate in the moment. But he said all the right things post game that they mm-hmm. left a lot of plays out there. They did. In the moment, you look at that and you're like, yeah, but you got screwed here. You got screwed there. They had zero total net yards in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. If you want to beat the Chiefs, if you want to take down Mighty Mahomes, you got to do better than that. Joe Burrow was sacked. Three times in the first quarter. You got to do better than that. The Jaguars, yes, the lowly Jaguars allowed one sack the whole game to Chris Jones and company last week. And so, yes, we knew, knew this Bengals offensive line was beat up. We knew that Effett Jamar's down there somewhere. We're still going to find a way. But in the end, yeah, it caught up with the, with the Bengals. There were one too many miscues. Yes, Joe Burrow played with fire, arguably, for the first time in 10 weeks. And they got burned. It's that simple. And I do think they got burnt by the refs as well. Um, I didn't know Al Roker had um, donned the black and white and become a zebra. Um, But with all due respect to Al Roker, um, I think the inherent issue, John, with me when I like looked at the game and I rewatched the highlights this morning um, is that they called so much. It was so ticky tack essentially from the jump. And that is where this game reached a point where like either you let the game get out of hand and you're not calling anything or you're literally calling everything. Well, and and you hate, you hate when great players, and there were many great players in this game. You hate when great players lose the opportunity to just play the game because of all the flags that are thrown and the officiating gets in the way. And listen, you can say what you want, whether this was warranted or not, but there were a lot of flags and that does disrupt the flow of the game. That doesn't disrupt the enjoyment of the game as a consumer of the sport. It stinks. And that's and it affects something... the Bengals style where the Bengals just want to sure. fluidly go up sure. and down they the field. As much as they it's... have a run game, they don't want to get stuck in the mud. No, it's close to a running gun offense that they run. And, and I understand that you want to see that high octane arsenal play. But it is the nature of the beast. This happens all the time. This was not some conspiracy against the Cincinnati Bengals. I know it's fun for fan bases to think that, but that's not what this was. It happens every single year. Remember just uh, a few years ago when we had that no call on the pass interference with the Saints? Like, and then it's, oh, there's, there's the conspiracy. They changed the rules that. for a year, and then everyone right. got confused by the rules. But it, oh, it's a conspiracy against that's going to, that's the nature of fandom. That is just the nature of the beast. I will say this, though, there is something that the NFL should look itself in the mirror and make changes to, and that is this there should be full time officials. NFL officials should all be full time. There should not be any part time officials in this league, especially with the amount of revenue that this league brings in. Every NFL referee should be a full time league employee that is then part of a uniform system that week in and week out you are under review for your performance as an official. How many calls did you miss? What didn't you miss? And you are with a consistent crew every single week that you travel with them. That, in my opinion, is how the NFL should handle this, Mia. And I think you would genuinely get less issues like this if there was a system in place like that. Let's go across the board then, because obviously here on Out of Bounds, we we talk all the major professional sports in the world. Um, what other sports have full-time referees? For, the, for, for our listeners who may not be as familiar with this, John. I'm, as I'm very curious. Umpires, Major League Baseball. I'm I'm pretty sure most NBA of the definitely sports, is full time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure most of the major league sports are full time. Of, of right. the of the big four, I'm going to have to check on that. 
Um, right. I'm, I'm almost positive. The NBA definitely is. I'm almost positive MLB is as well. And I would assume hockey is knowing how long their season is. And so that's where the NFL makes the most money of all of them. What are we doing? Still not having full-time referees. And, you know, like, listen, the referees and having human flaws are part of sports. It's part of the game. It's why the debate about what to do about umpires and having robots, like, has waged on because human error is part of the game. But at the same time, like, I don't know, man. I, 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 there needs to be more involvement from New York. And, no, not involvement from involvement from New York scripting how the game should go. Yeah, so – uh, the NFL is the only one of the big four that they are not full-time. So there are 24 full-time uh, referees in the NFL out of 121 currently. So that's a problem. That's a problem big because problem. then you can't be uniform. And I, and I do believe that is a big part of this general conversation. Baseball umpires are full-time. The NHL officials are full-time. NBA officials are full-time. And I understand you're playing one game a week, but – the shield come on that is like the brand in american sports you just got to reach that and i do believe mia that if that happened you would have less this is all rigged you hate the Bengals. joe buck hates my team how many times have you heard something like that before a lot we actually got into a spirited debate on uh xl primetime today did you watch monday night football more or less depending on your view because Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were there. Did it feel like Monday Night Football this year was bigger because of the two of them? I mean, I don't put much stock in that either way, but I, I am a Joe Buck fan. I like Joe right. Buck. Right, like I would there. walk into the living room, and if I heard him and Troy's voice, my brain instantly thinks big it's game. A premium brand. Yeah. Premium yeah. It brand. Just, it just does. No offense to Steve Levy. No offense to, you know, Tariko and Gruden back in the day. I mean, they, I guess, kind of carried a little bit of the same gravitas. But, yeah. Anyways, that's a tangent for another time. Mm-hmm. The point is, is yes, the full-time referees is an excellent point. My bigger issue beyond the holding call on the out-of-bounds hit by Joseph Osai on Patrick Mahomes that put Kansas City into manageable field goal range and allowed for them to win on walk-off fashion. My bigger issue was the fifth down call which was weird. They later shout out to the CBS crew. Cause they did do a good job of showing. They, they showed the overhead view, the satellite view, and you saw the ref come running onto the field before they snapped it. So I'll give them that the Joe Burrow. Like, I mean, he got hit. And if that was Patrick Mahomes, it would have been called. Well, I don't know and why so, the league wouldn't want to protect Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow correct. is one they, of those. Uh, this, but Frank Clark, too. Frank Clark hit Trevor Lawrence in the same exact fashion last week. And they didn't call it. So I like I don't know. I, I'd love to hear a pool referee's you know opinion on the situation. Um, but I just think we're entering an era where, while more likable, Patrick Mahomes is the new Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. We used to joke about how they got all the calls and they protecting them was part of the shield. Now protecting Patrick Mahomes is the goal, well, especially he's when he's playing on one ankle. He's amazing. He was incredible in this game. That's just what he does. He rises to the occasion when it matters. And now Kansas City once again headed to the Super Bowl. Where, Mia, it will be the Andy Reid Bowl, a battle of two teams, because the 49ers could not get it done. Yeah, it was a pretty good run for the Niners. See what I did there? Um, But Brock Purdy suffered a elbow injury on the second play from scrimmage on the offensive side of the ball. Yes, uh, and so now their Mr. Irrelevant final draft pick of the 2022 NFL draft goes the same way as the third overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft and presumably is going to work his way back from an injury, that of course being Trey Lance, who started the season under center for San Fran, and they ended the season with a half Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson under center. Josh Johnson, though, <coughs> excuse me, John. Suffered a concussion, so he also could not finish this game. Christian McCaffrey was essentially the only 100% healthy quarterback for them, and even then, he was fighting a calf injury. And so the Eagles cruised to a 31-7 win. Uh, John, I texted you this in our group message. If the 49ers had somehow found a way to win this game, I want everyone to return their Coach of the Year ballots, regardless of who you vote for. Kyle Shanahan deserved to be Coach of the Year, um, but that didn't happen. Um, 
I was actually upset that they didn't have Christian McCaffrey throw the ball more. They, if anything, brought back Brock Purdy, and everyone knew he couldn't throw more than two yards, no. but we're going to throw him back in there. So my question and, and, for you is, how creative should San Francisco have gotten in this game? It's not even just being creative. It's a really bad look in hindsight, knowing that this guy tours UCL and they sent him back out there. Because from a creative standpoint, yeah, you knew that they were going to run the ball. But, man, you've got one of the best athletes in the NFL on your team and Christian McCaffrey. Let him get creative. Run the Wildcat, because with the Wildcat, at least... He was averaging five yards a carry most right, of the game. Right, and with the Wildcat, at least there's some element of surprise. You, you're not entirely sure where the ball's going to go. Run a triple option. I don't care. Do something... Well, that... for what it's worth, uh, the triple option. Well, triple option I'm okay with. The jet sweeps with Debo Samuel. Uh, did you see how many yards he finished with? Negative no. nine yards on six carries. Not great. Not great, not great but, Bob. But you got to do something. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and say this is all the Niners' fault. The Eagles are really freaking good. They are really good. This is like an all-time great defense by the Eagles right now, what they have. They have an offense that can move the ball efficiently. They're not the flashiest offense ever, but they manage to move the ball effectively downfield in ways that can surprise you. They're just efficient. And they they bring pressure like few teams we've seen in the last 15, 20 years. I'm scared no matter who I am if I'm facing the Eagles right now, especially Patrick Mahomes on an ankle that regardless of whether he wants to say it's 100% or not, we know it's not. Uh, I don't care how creative the 49ers could have gone here. They weren't going to beat the Eagles. Right. Well, here's my thing. Uh, beyond the fact that the Eagles have 70-plus sacks, they have four guys with sacks in the double digits, um, you, with regards to what you said about their offense, um, yes, they have Devontae Smith. Yes, A.J. Brown has unlocked a different level for this offense. But here's my key stat to all this, John. Here are their rushing stats. Kenneth Gainwell was the leading rusher, surprisingly enough, with 14 carries for 48 yards. Jalen Hurts, 11 carries for 39 yards. Miles Sanders, 11 carries for 42 yards. Boston Scott, six carries for 21 yards. No and one he jumps touchdown too, and it wasn't against he the Giants for a second straight week. Um, <laughs> doesn't those stats don't jump off the page? But what those stats say is they're going to be tough in the trenches, which we know their offensive line is arguably the best in the National Football League. Mm -hmm. And moreover, they're going to run the clock. And when you're in San Francisco situation, number one, where you don't have a quarterback who can throw it down the field, you need all the time you possibly can get Mm -hmm. so you can dink and dunk your way downfield. Number two, by their offense being this machine that it is chugging up and down field, you, I mean, they score first. I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but they score first like 75% of their games. Yeah. And so therefore you're pinning the defense, the off the, you know, pinning the years back and that pass rush that is so lethal can tee off from the jump because they're usually up 14, nothing by the end of the first quarter. And so that's, what's so impressive about it. And that's part of why they run the clock and they just run the game out late because they are up 14, 21, nothing. And then their defense not only gets stops, but also forces turnovers and pushes into pushes the you're opposition so into terrible field position. They're just so well-rounded, and that's how they beat you because they they are good in every area. They're great in some areas, but they're at the very least good in every area. And that's where they're going to beat you. And that's Kansas City has its work cut out for it because for as great as a team as Kansas City is, I'm not sure they're as well-rounded in that regard. Now, as far as the 49ers are concerned, did a game like this, Mia, pretty much all but confirm they have to take a shot at an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady type? Interesting. Uh, that's that would how be I funny. Read you play that's four quarterbacks. You play four quarterbacks in one year, and then you go out and you say, "Ah, eh, doesn't matter that two of the four are under contract for next year. I'm going to go a complete. Uh, everyone else is zigging, and I'm going to zag," which would be very Kyle Shanahan. Um, this this totally read to me that Tom Brady or, or A Rod is is, mm. is the Niners quarterback next year. See, it didn't to me because I think Kyle Shanahan, when you look at how he treats running backs, and quite frankly, when you look at how he treats quarterbacks, if the last two years is any indication, it is you are a cog in a machine. And Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are not cogs in machines. They are the focal point of an offense. But who's to say that can't be different? when you bring in a star because he hasn't had a star quarterback you can say what you want right and that's part of why they traded up for trey lance because the hope was that he would take them over the top so yeah i mean could i see it happening sure the window is there they have to strike the iron while it's hot because 
I mean, from Bosa, who has had health, health troubles, you know, staying healthy over the last few years, but are arguably one of the best players on the defensive side of the ball in the game today. McCaffrey, I mean, you know, the situation with him in terms of Here's his health. Yeah. Will mm-hmm. he be – how long is he going to stick around in San Francisco? I know he's, you know, from that neck of the woods, but still. George Kittle missed a bunch of games this year. Debo Samuel wasn't healthy the whole season. Brandon Ayuk, same thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're in win-now mode. I don't yep. know if you're going to win now with Brock Purdy. I just kept watching it. I'm just like, yep, this is this is Rodgers or Brady territory next year. That's yeah, all I kept see, watching. I don't know. Like, the only thing that gives me pause is just Shanahan because I don't think that's his M.O. I think when you have a chance to bring in Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, your M.O. goes out the window. And part of it, too, is like he drafted Trey Lance because he wanted a mobile quarterback because he was sick of okay. system quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo. That did not work out. Oh, the kid keeps getting hurt. And so that's okay. that's the million-dollar question. How confident are the 49ers in their medical staff that Brock Purdy and Trey Lance could both come back and compete for the starting quarterback spot? Or else, what do you do with them? If 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 you go out and you get Brady or you go get Rodgers, what are you going to do with those two kids? Well, those are short-term solutions, so I don't think you need to just get rid of them. So what would you do with them? I, I mean, you have at least one of them on your bench. Are you trading one of them? I think if you can get capital for one of them. Okay. Interesting. Because if it, I mean, Lance obviously so drafted in 2021, you'd have the fifth year option. I mean, you played like I mean, four games. I'd have more confidence with Trey, like trying to get something for Trey Lance than Purdy coming off of you. Oh, UCLA. yeah. I don't think Purdy would net, would net that much, but I think Purdy's a great backup. That's why he was still on the mm-hmm. roster. But I'm so. saying coming off a UCL injury now, it doesn't sound like he needs Tommy John, but still that's your, that's your throwing arm and UCL injuries, as we know in baseball, can sideline people for a year plus in some circumstances. So uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure there. But alas, uh, you, you mentioned the name Bosa. Yeah, I have some thoughts. Um, let, let's talk about them. Look at this yes. right here. That's Joey Bosa, folks. That is Joey Bosa. And Joey Bosa, well – he plays he for the Chargers. To... He's wearing Niners gear. He does. He's supporting his brother, as a good brother would, who is playing in the NFC Championship game. And he entered through the parking lot where fans were tailgating. And he was caught on video engaging with some heckling Eagles fans. Eagles. And uh, I'm not going to repeat what he said because he said some pretty questionable things in this video. And all in all, Mia, it just wasn't really a great look. And it it got me thinking, why would a player, the stature of Joey Bosa, one of the better players in the NFL, why would someone of his stature stoop down to arguing with fans? What is the upside to this, Mia? Because he was born and raised by Urban Meyer. St. Thomas Aquinas, baby. What does that have to do with engaging fans, though? Because I think he's been an a-hole for years. I think it just came out. At, you know, on camera, quite frankly. Um, and, and I mean, let's let's be real. There's been a lot of talk of Nick Bosa and his political beliefs and his views on people and how vocal he can may or may not be about that. Um, yeah, I just I just don't think they're good people. Um, they're, they're good football players. I'm sure they're good locker room dudes. Um, but yeah, uh, this all but solidified what a lot of people believed about the Bosa brothers. Um, although some people were like, that was actually really smart of him, the I'm rich comment. Like, that's such a Trump card. Trump card, pun intended. Um, well, I but, mean, it's regardless yeah. of that, though, it just when a fan takes out a camera, it just seems like you're asking for – I mean, it's not like he didn't see it. He saw it. It's not like he's going to get disciplined for this or anything, but it just – there's no upside to this. There's well, no the million upside. dollar – Right. I mean, you and you and I can speak to it on a much more micro level, but like when people come up to me and want to take selfies, like I'm not going to try to fight them. Like even if they try to provoke me, I just, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you walk past. Um, so I don't know if he had had a little too much liquid courage or I don't know, but I think he's just a hothead. And I think the Jaguars broke him in the first round of the NFL playoffs uh, in which he received not one, but two. But two unsportsmanlike penalties. No, I don't. If it was the Jaguars or if it was the Titans, I would say this. Um, two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. He chucked his helmet at his head coach and the ground. And yeah, I think he's officially broken. Uh, I think he was broken before, um, but l- playing for the Chargers for as long as he has, and for whatever the reason, it's all the bugaboo around them has finally broken him. It's 
frustrating playing for the Chargers, who just hired Kellen Moore to be their offensive coordinator today. We'll see what comes of that. I just here is a piece of advice for anyone, whether you're a famous athlete or not. If someone comes up to you and they're having their phone in the air shooting video of you, which they should be shooting it horizontally and not vertically. But that's oh, besides I have some the point. thoughts on that. That's besides the point. If someone's shooting video of you, don't do or say anything that could be used against you. In fact, I would just walk in the other direction and not say anything at all. Or if, if there isn't a camera, just in general, just go the other way. Don't, avoid don't avoid engage. those people. Yeah, don't, don't engage. In, don't do that. Don't there's do that. literally no upside to this for someone I appreciated like the video, it. though, because it gave me energy um, just to, you know, hate on the Bosa brothers, which I appreciate that. Speaking of brothers, but I love these brothers. Mostly, I can't wait for their mom to be the storyline of the Super Bowl in less than two weeks' time. Uh, that is one Donna Kelsey. Yes, Travis and Jason Kelsey are set to be the first pair of brothers to play against each other in a Super Bowl. This is their mom, Donna. Donna. Does she not look like a Donna? She's such a Donna. And she's from, speaking of Ohio, she's from Cleveland Heights. And she looks like she's Donna from Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Um, She has an Eagles Chiefs, like, split shirt with the pins with their son's photos on it, like, from high school and stuff. Um, Last year, she went to the Chiefs. This is her LinkedIn picture, by the way. I love her. She They (laughs) went to the, so she went to the Eagles uh, Bucks playoff game last year in Tampa, which was a one o'clock kickoff. And then the uh, Chiefs kicked off at like eight o'clock and she took a private jet. Or actually, it might have been commercial. No, it was commercial because she was late to the game. She took a commercial airline flight from Tampa to Kansas City so that she could watch both her sons in the playoffs in one day. She is so dedicated. But now, John, is Donna Kelsey oh, going to have to pick sides on which side of the stadium she is sitting? Well, we talked about this last week when we had the brothers in the NHL and they had the two parents had to one wore one jersey, the other wore another jersey. Uh, this this is going to be tough because, yeah, ticket allotment, you get half the stadium. My gut says good old Donna will be treated to a private suite mm-hmm. for the Kelsey family, and I don't think she'll have to pick a side. I mean, it's it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. She doesn't it's really weird. sit in the suites, though. Every picture I see no, of her, she's like yeah, in the stands. You're in an indoor stadium here yeah, for the it's Super the Super Bowl. Bowl. In circumstances, uh, look, it's win win for her and it's lose lose for her. You're, you're going to be encouraging to one son, and you're going to be comforting to the other, no matter what. That's what's going to happen here. Uh, it's it's an enviable position to be in and a non enviable position to be in. But it is a really cool storyline, and I'm actually surprised it took us to this point for us to have this sort of thing happen. Because it's not like these are the first pair of brothers in the NFL, but Far for from the it. but for the stars to align in the way they have, where it's not just that they're two brothers; they're two really good players. Uh, I mean, Travis Kelsey very much on his way to being possibly one of the greatest tight ends ever. And, and Jason, in his own right, is a stellar player for the Eagles. So uh, that that really does up the height and up the stakes of what is happening here with the Super Bowl. It's a great storyline to follow. I'm happy for Donna. So look at that face again. She just looks so I'm happy. hoping there's a local news station that's going to document her entire journey from Cleveland Heights, Ohio, to Phoenix. I'm very much looking forward to it. I really need sure. that content. If you're a local face- sports anchor and you're hearing this, like, please – Please ensure, like, call your affiliates in Ohio. They need to make that happen for us. We need to see the content. Yeah, the goofy um, sportscasters like, so who are you rooting for, Donna? <laughs> right, well, that was going to be my question. Our producer asked us today when we talked about it on the radio. Uh, JJ was like, so who's she rooting for? She's rooting for everyone to have a good time. So JJ goes, which kid was more troublesome? Travis. Oh, she's rooting for Jason then. It is worth noting that Jason Kelsey yes. is 35 years old. Uh, they drafted his heir apparent, Cam Jurgens, out of Nebraska, 51st this overall this past April's NFL draft. Uh, so I'll ask you that, John. If the Eagles win, if you're Jason Kelsey, do you go out on top? I mean, it's not for me to say it's his career, but it's certainly something that... If you were 35 you're- years old and you're on this team that's in its window, but they win it all, and you're 35, pushing 36, what do you do? I may not have to consider it. 
I'd have to consider stepping away. I don't know where his body's at, where he feels his body's at, but it's certainly something that I'd have to consider. Uh, you know, Travis Kelsey's got a career in pro wrestling waiting for him once he retires. So whatever he wants to do, I mean, he freaking dropped know your role and shut your mouth from the rock. Jabroni. <laughs> and he called him a jabroni, which is an Andrew Badillo favorite, by the way. Hit him with that at some point. Oh but um yeah he said that's gonna that's gonna be an audio drop for us on xl prime time for like years to come yes. you jabroni no doubt about it uh, it should be fun uh, a guy that was at that eagles nfc championship yeah game i sent that, you this one so that you could yeah. just feel the emotions yeah look at this man that's mike, that's trout, mike Mil- trout everyone millville new jersey native Go also garden star, state also star for the los angeles angels not that you'd know that with how he's marketed and how relevant the Angels are in the discourse of Major League Baseball. He was at this game, and the cameras caught him, and he went super viral on social media because they're saying this is the closest to a championship game that Mike Trout's ever going to get. And this all comes as Art Marino said he's not going to sell the Los Angeles Angels this past week after he was shopping them for a period of time. Look at that face right there. That's a man that recognizes this could be the closest he ever comes to a championship. Should Mike Trout try to force his way out of Los Angeles at this point? Keep in mind, he signed a mega extension a few years back, but baseball, everything is made up and the points don't matter in that juncture, Mia. I, what do you think? Should Should Mike Trout try to get his way out of Los Angeles here? I mean, I've been saying that for years. I'm shocked he hasn't. Like, I honestly don't understand. Like, if, if you really are the ultimate competitor, like, what are you doing wasting your career away out there? Well, keep in mind, they have the other best player in baseball in Shohei Otani, who could be gone next year, potentially, uh, in some capacity. But he's under contract with them until age 38, a contract that goes till 2030. Uh, over the next few years... And by next few, I mean until 2030. He is owed $37,116,667 per year. That is a pretty difficult contract to move, Mia. How Uh, much is that in California terms with the taxes? Still a lot of money. Okay. (laughs) So so it is a very difficult contract that he's going to have to try to leverage here. But, I mean, do you see a competitor like Mike Trout, who's more one of the more quiet superstars in all of sports, actively trying to do that at some point? No, I don't. Like, that's the problem, is if I was him, I would. But I'm much more vocal than Mike Trout. Um, knowing where he's from in Millville, um, outside of Philly, because he's obviously a Philly you know, sports fan outside of baseball from growing up, um, I don't really see any pull to go to New York. You're already in Los Angeles. It's the second largest media market in the country. And you're like the fifth or sixth act in town out there. And so I think that in terms of like, you know, like you see Jalen Ramsey leaving Jacksonville, forcing his way out and like being from Nashville even and seeing his hometown like on the rise, but he forces his way to LA because he wants to be a superstar. You've seen that with T.O. You've seen that with tons of players over the years. Alex Rodriguez, to be quite frank. Um, I don't see that with Mike Trout. I don't think that's his MO. I guess he just likes living in California, which is cool. Um, but again, if you are the ultimate competitor, you tell me, John, are the Angels going to contend? I understand that they have Shohei Hotani. I understand they have thrown lots of money at free agents in the past few years. But do you foresee them competing for a World Series this year? No, I don't. So and, what, are we, doing? Well, so what starts, are we doing? That all starts at the top when you have bad ownership. That's right. trickle down. And we see that very few teams win with bad ownership. So I think with the sale that was allegedly going to happen with the Angels, a lot of people had some optimism for them. Mm-hmm. But they, frankly, have, and, and it's something that doesn't get talked about nearly as much as it should because they are the baby brothers of Los Angeles, but they legitimately have two of the greatest players to ever play the game on their team, and they're a perennial third, fourth, fourth place team right now. And that is just insane. And if I'm Mike Trout, depending on what happens with Shohei Otani this upcoming season, he could be a midseason trade deadline candidate, potentially, unless the Angels really contend. I th- There is some weight to throw around, but that is a lot of money that a team would have to take on for an extended period of time. You'd have to find the right partner. Now, I do have on good authority. Mm. I'm very good authority. I'm going to lean that, back in my chair and listen. That there have absolutely been teams 
that have kicked the tires on a Mike Trout trade mm. in the past couple of years. And why wouldn't you it's at least ask? Why wouldn't you at least ask, right? Like, there's no harm in seeing what a haul would be. And the leverage that you would have in a Mike Trout trade is that if you're rich enough, which again, every Major League Baseball team is rich enough, it's just a matter of if they choose to be. Uh, if you're rich enough to take on the contract, you're probably going to have to give up a good haul, but I don't think it's as big of a haul as it's some other sports, just because by agreeing to take on the salary as is, you're already doing the Angels a big favor. Can you tell me which teams? I mean, no? Okay, I tried. Okay. He's so, not going to say. That's fine. No, uh, so answer this. Is it a big market team or is it I'm, a small market team? I'm trying to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. I see where I, your head's at. I didn't yeah. care. Only Todd one, Frazier one wants to come home. Only Todd Frazier wanted to come home, unfortunately, John. And, and A-Rod, who was born a rock's throw from Yankee Stadium, even though one he grew story. up in Miami. Because all of my friends are just absolute trolls. Um, one of them, for my 30th birthday, got me a bottle of wine that was from 1998. And the reason they said it, they got it for me was in honor, and I quote, of Chuck Knobloch. So that was, and that was, that was pretty great. So, yes. yeah, think of that what you will. But no, I, listen, I, I'm, I think that we are in a player's era in sports. And yeah, if, if you have that leverage, like Mike Trout does, he is peak dominance. If he retired today, he'd be a Hall of Famer. I'm I'm all about it, and guys. We but also, hear Major your- League Baseball still. I mean, as much as we want to blame the Angels for their crappy ownership, Major League Baseball has also done a crap job of marketing him. We can agree on that, correct? Yeah, yeah absolutely, hundred percent. I'm. If I'm he's really the that. best player in baseball, and he's this generational talent. Why isn't he yeah. on every Wheaties box in America? Hundred percent. Don't disagree with you on that. But we want to hear your thoughts, guys. Send us a super chat on YouTube or on KYNchat.com so we will know your news. You're excited for this one, Mia. What do we got Yeah, let's stay in Los Angeles, the city of angels, and also the AARP club. And by that, I mean the Los Angeles Lakers. Pat Beverly, always a character, but he took it to new heights this past weekend, John. He got a tech foul because he walked on the court with a photographer's camera to try to prove to the referee that they missed a call. I believe it's the best technical there's ever been. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think this is an all-timer, honestly. That's something that you would see in a Harlem Globetrotters game. Like, it's a really nice camera, too, by the way. Like, look at that lens. That is a very nice lens. Definitely that was is, high def. That is straight out of a Harlem Globetrotters game. I, we need more showmanship like this in sports. I'm fine with that. It doesn't bother me. And look, the Lakers, as you said, the AARP stuff, they're not a good basketball team right now. They're aging. They don't have depth. They don't have cohesion. So if fans They're are just going... a bunch of old dudes that are like, yeah, it's 2011 again. No, it's not. So if fans are going to Crypto.com Arena or whatever the Staples Center is now called, Crypto Sad. Arena. RIP Staples. If fans are going there and they're not being treated by entertainment on the court, well, at least you may have given them something in between the whistles. And that's what Pat Beverly did here. I think this is like an all-time great warranted technical. Yeah, he knew what he was getting himself into when he was going to do that. But prove a point. Let all of the fans see that you give a crap about what's going on. Let all the fans around the world who are watching on TV or seeing highlights on SportsCenter know that you're in on the gag and that you're trying to prove a point here. I actually think this was a pretty smart thing from Patrick Beverly. Who knows? Maybe he'll even get a sponsorship out of this with a, a Canon or something like that. Yeah, Nikon. there you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, my favorite was I walked into work this morning and uh, one of my coworkers said, hey, did you see the Lakers game this weekend? And I was like, yeah, Patrick Beverly. And he goes, no, I was referring to like LeBron playing really well on Friday and dropping 38 or whatever he did. I was like, he, yeah, I mean, that happened too. He's about to pass Kareem. Yeah, and like he had a great I mean, he but... had a great game the week before, too, because I was in Kansas City, and everyone at the bar was going absolutely insane for the game winner that he hit. But, like, I, I, no, I was too focused on Patrick Beverly. Defense wins championships. Pat Bev, forever. He's always the defender, both on the court and in the court of law. No, I like this a lot. I think 
if in a superstar driven league like the NBA, you need larger than life personality moments. This is certainly one of those. And it was not the only larger than life personality moment we got in the NBA this week. Oh, I like what you did there. This is your boy, Joel Embiid, maybe the best player in basketball. He's in that conversation. And he is a gigantic professional wrestling fan. He loves pro wrestling so much. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a little bit of a lesson here, Mia O'Brien. Because okay, yeah, I, teach me your I, ways. I, I'm a fringe wrestling fan, according to Tony Khan. I assume that you're not familiar with Degeneration X. No. No. Okay. So Degeneration X was one of the biggest acts in wrestling history. They were very popular in the late '90s, which was called the Attitude Era, which was just a period of time in wrestling where everyone and their mother watched pro wrestling. It, more people would watch Raw on Mondays than they would Monday Night Football. And uh, it was aggressive and brash. And Degeneration X, which was comprised of several wrestlers, one of which being Triple H, who now runs creative for WWE, um, they used to do a... They, 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 well, they had a motto, which was, suck it. And they would throw an X at their midsection, colloquially known as the crotch chop. Well... Joel Embiid loves the crotch chop, and he's done it a couple times in the past, and so much so that last year during the playoffs, Triple H came and rang the bell before the Sixers game with Joel Embiid, and they created shirts and stuff, but Joel Embiid got fined $25,000 this past week for the crotch chop, and Triple H, Paul Levesque, who runs creative for WWE now, said, you keep doing that, I'll pay those fines if you want me to. Because he wants to uh, make sure this lives on. So the question is, Mia, should Joel Embiid take Triple H up on this offer and just keep throwing that X up at all these referees and these fans? Yes. Or is it too brash? Is it too no, brash? do it. It's Joel Embiid. He doesn't care. He's got enough money, too, that even if Triple H doesn't pay it, he'll find a sponsor that'll pay for it. And so might as well make it WWE. I honestly, when I first saw this on our rundown, I thought we were going to talk about the other iconic picture of Joel Embiid from the weekend. Uh, which is him standing next to Kevin Hart. And um, Kevin Hart is like an eighth of Joel yeah, Embiid. That is true, was, too. Yeah. So Joel Embiid had a pretty busy weekend, man. He went to the Eagles game. He's out here getting fined for doing the chop. Yeah. It's yeah. Left, left over, right, and then you throw it down. Uh, Mia's going to do the crotch chop. There you go. There you go. Look at Mia doing the DX crotch chop. Oh, there you my go. Goodness. That's Things good content. Like Things I never thought that I would see. Me O'Brien telling everyone to suck it. How about that? That is... yeah, no, that you that you should expect to see. <laughs> but it, I mean, it is degrading. It is it is a way to really grab everyone's attention. And see, the thing is, back in the '90s, kids didn't understand context here because again, everyone and their mother was watching wrestling, even though it was so not appropriate in some circumstances. And I, I mean, I remember being in elementary school. And kids who were in second grade throwing around, yeah, suck it. And so Joel Embiid, a product of the late 90s himself, this is what he grew up on. And he's not liking calls. He's throwing the crotch chop. He's slamming balls down on opponents, crotch chop. That's just what he's doing. And I'm all about it. I'd say maybe not take WWE up on it, but every now well, and I then. Would because then they have to start considering you for a guest appearance. Well, they should. I think that's the trade-off if you do it. Okay. You pay my fines. I'll come do some stuff for you in the process though. Joel Embiid with how brittle he is should not be bumping in a ring or doing anything like that, but uh, it's great brand exposure for WWE. I can tell you that. I don't blame him. Exposure for that. And uh, yeah, it's all about having fun. And that's exactly what Duquesne was trying to do. Well, not Duquesne, but the students yeah. of Duquesne were trying yes. to do. This is one of my favorite sports stories and just news stories of the week that was. Don't expect courtside food deliveries at Duquesne basketball games in the future, folks. Duquesne issued a statement Thursday regarding Wednesday night's viral moment of an Uber Eats delivery driver, if he even was one. Wandering onto the court during the Dukes game against Loyola Chicago, a.k.a. the Fighting Sister Jeans. The game was briefly paused after a man in a yellow jacket holding a McDonald's bag walked onto the floor. A few feet from where Loyola Chicago's Philip Alston was holding the ball. He was shown a couple minutes later walking around the concourse level looking to track down the person who ordered the food. 
According to Duquesne, it was not the bizarre yet organic moment it initially appeared to be. It was a prank for a viral video. I can tell you this, the Loyola Chicago video staff also posted a play-by-play thread on Twitter of why this was a viral video. John, are the Duquesne officials taking this too seriously? It's just kids (laughs) having fun. Also, Loyola Chicago is last in the A-10. Yeah, but I mean, it did disrupt the game, which that's never a good thing. But it also was mic'd up. That was my personal favorite was like the athletic director or the SID for Loyola Chicago, like took a picture of the kid and he's like, zoom in. Look, there's a microphone on him. I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised. I didn't think an actual Uber Eats driver was going to walk My favorite reaction was of the referee that's nearest to him in the video. If you see it, that referee right there in the bottom left-hand corner, he sees him and the he like starts to shoo him a little bit almost as if the referee was the one that ordered <laughs> the uber eats it was like oh no no i said i said deliver it 20 minutes from now not now and uh i thought that was funny how that all actually played out in real time uh, this this is a fun little prank is duquesne being a little serious about it probably a little too serious but also like where's your security bro how does someone just wander onto the court in the middle of a game right I mean, well, Duquesne is in, what, Pittsburgh or random Pennsylvania town? Yeah, random Pennsylvania town. If it was in Loyola, Chicago, uh, if it was in their Chicago campus, I would think there'd be a little bit more security. Maybe that's why the Ramblers SIDs were, like, so quick to hop on the Twitter machine and be like, I promise, like, this was not through any of our universities. Like, this was just kids having fun. Like, it's okay. Don't worry, man. It's all good. No, I think Sister Jean ordered the McDonald's, quite frankly. Yes, yes, that's what I think. I don't think she was making the road trip. Just, just my. No, she hasn't been making road trips, but she does talk to them before games. So, we love her. Glad to hear she's still kicking and doing yeah, well. One hundred and three. I'm pretty sure. Let me. Double, I want to hold on, Sister Jean. She is. Hold on. I want to pull it up. The bigger Sister, question is. Here she is, Sister. One hundred and three years old. Wow. What do you think was being delivered? Like, it better. If we're talking Pittsburgh, it better be like Permanente Brothers or something. No, like it that. was McDonald's. Ugh. I know. That, well, that's all the more reason why it was like a viral video. That some be kids threw together. Bros, I, I did. Last time I was in Pittsburgh, I actually Uber reached Permanente Bros. As you Bros. should. Listen, I do that when I go on all my road trips for work. I like will take Uber. I won't even. This is pre-Uber Eats. Um, what's it called? Tor- Torchies? Well, the, the taco brand, like taco chain in uh, in Texas. Really good breakfast tacos. Torchies, I'm pretty sure, is the name of it. This was pre-Uber Eats in 2018. I literally took an Uber because my flight wasn't until 2 o'clock on Monday after the game. I literally took an Uber to Torchies at 10 a.m., ate the Torchies breakfast tacos with my Uber driver because he wanted some. So he, you know, clocked out, and we sat there, and we ate the Torchies together. And I took an Uber back to the hotel. So at least now they can deliver it to you, whether you're at home or courtside. you you got to make the trip yourself. If I like it, let's wrap up here, Mia. Rolex 24, an event you and I have both covered uh, down there, Daytona. The annual Rolex 24 went down ahead of the Daytona 500 in a couple weeks at the World Center of Racing. For those not familiar, it's a team race over 24 consecutive hours. Uh, Meyer Shank Racing won for the second consecutive year. Acura picking up the W. There was a very cool last lap pass. Uh, they led 365 of 783 laps this is insane uh, how much racing could you tolerate in a 24-hour period mia if you were in that position so from covering the event i know that roughly each driver does four and a half hours and then they have like eight hours off because it's teams of three or three or four usually um so four and a half hours is what it used to take me for, to get from my hometown of freehold new jersey to ethica college where i attended uh school and, uh, and I could do that drive like back and forth. I did it once I drove up on a Saturday and I drove back on a Sunday. And even that I was like over it. Granted, that was before I moved to the Midwest where you have to drive everywhere. Um, and that was a lot for me. And that was twice in a, uh, 48 hour period. I so think this is a little more intense than that. Yeah. It's also a little more intense. There's also that part of it. Um, but at least like, it's so intense that like, then like you'll fall asleep. I would think, I know a lot of them have said it's so hard cause your adrenaline is rushing, but when it comes down, I would think you crash. But then also you're like sleeping in the trucks. So, you know, you're in the trailer. Are you sleeping that well in the trailer? Like I've, I've seen and heard these like stories because obviously these teams, they're not all NASCAR, you know, level, like, you know, accommodations in those trailers. 
No, so I think not. that would affect it, to be quite frank. If I had a good night's sleep, um, maybe I could make multiple uh, shifts, but probably not. Probably one of the four and a half hours, and I probably would do like two and then like eight hours later do another two. And keep in mind it's on the road course, too, at Daytona, which it's a lot of swerving, and you got to really be on top of your game. So that is a lot of mental endurance to do four and a half hours of just that. And you may be saying, well, John, a normal NASCAR race can take that long. And that's true. It can. But you also have the bank turns in that case. And mm-hmm. have you rode around the course at Daytona? Yes. The track? Yes, I, I have. have as well. Yep. And and who drove you around it? Uh, I drove myself, I think. Oh, you drove on it? Oh, Maybe, so. yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no. I think, no, I think I had somebody driving me. I forget. Oh, it was, it oh. was 2020. I've like kind of blocked most of 2020 so, out of my mind. Kurt Busch drove me around there. Yes, I do remember this. And we hit like 180 miles an hour going around the turns. And the thought that anyone could do that for a sustained period of time blew my mind. The amount of G's that you pulled, it, it was insane. So um, I, I give a lot of credit to drivers for having that endurance. I couldn't do it for four and a half hours. And then you add in the road course where it's just constant turns. This this is a race of speed and endurance. I give these guys a lot of credit for you. Yeah, the actual, I mean, that's any NASCAR driver, any stock car, any any sort of driving. Um, I think it's it's similar to wrestling, quite frankly. Uh, not your not your WWE wrestling. Uh, Olympic Olympic wrestling. Olympic wrestling. I think it's very similar to that, where it's it truly is me versus me, although obviously in this situation you're competing against other teams, but so much of it is the mental of preparing for the unknown of what is your body going to do? For four hours inside of a car and then you got eight hours to rest up and then you gotta go right back in mm-hmm. awesome event go check that out if you haven't before it's it's worth even just taking a peek at because uh it, those teams put everything they can into getting those cars ready and uh it's a lot of fun uh one i love daytona i think it's so cool even if you're not a racing fan it's it's one of those things that as a sports fan you should experience once in your life just to feel it and see it it's very very cool Yes. Dirk Bentley is the uh, pre-show concert for the Daytona 500. Cool. Shout out to the Daytona social team. Their post today was so funny. They were like, we're going to just surprise you with it. And then like very tiny five print. It said announcement today at two o'clock. I was like, well done. I appreciate that. That is another episode of Out of Bounds in the books, my friends. Next week, me, O'Brien, and I will be back at you with an episode in person. So it'll be a lot of fun. Anything else you'd like to add here, Mia? Uh, I was going to say your Super Bowl pick, but we still got a whole nother week before that. Uh, Are you ready for the Pro Bowl games, John Alba? I could not care less, and maybe we'll talk about that next week. So (laughs) that's what we'll see on Out of Bounds right here on Know Your News. We will see you next time. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.